Just before we get started, a little warning for you. Today's chat with Becky is about suicide. Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast. I am really thrilled to be chatting to Becky. I met Becky in Bali and we got chatting about what she does and I was blown away by her strength and bravery. Becky is a trauma-informed grief and suicide loss mentor. Becky lost her brother to suicide and is on a mission to help heal others from their grief and loss. Hey, Becky. Hi, Safe. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, you're now in the UK, which is funny, obviously, because uh, we were here together, what, about a month or so ago? Yeah, I know, having a manicure and pedicure. <laughs> I'm really missing Bali so much right now, but it is what it is. The world's a funny place at the moment, so, yeah. yeah. So can you just start by um, telling us a little bit about you and perhaps the lead up to what happened with your brother? Yeah, of course. So, um, okay, so Jack, that's my brother's name. So Jack passed away in 2018 in the March. Um, and with Jack, he was suffering with bouts at, at a time with um, a lot of anxiety depression things uh, like mounting pressure from uni and things like this as well at the time we were living in Australia um Jack was like really open about his mental health so he never hid anything you know he would always discuss how he was feeling and um he was also on quite a large cocktail of medication so he had like a bulging disc in his back and he was heavily into like yoga and movement and things like that to try and help him he was he's uh, six foot three so really quite tall and uh, he had this bulging disc in his spine and rather than um yeah like operating on it he was on quite a lot of medication so opiate based medication lyrica which has now been banned in a lot of countries because of the suicidal ideation uh side effects that you can have also on sleeping tablets antidepressants uh, beta blockers and uh, sleeping tablets, so a whole concoction of medications which completely rewire your whole brain, you know, and if you come off of them, you go into psychosis. Um, and so Jack, yeah, was on top of his health, his mental health, emotional health and everything. Um, and seemingly at the time when he passed as well, he was actually living like a really good life, you know, like he was very happy, um, with his job at uni, had a girlfriend, a couple of puppies, like was kite surfing and um, out on the water quite a lot. Um, so it was actually at that time, like being his sister, that I didn't think that there was anything really to be concerned about because it seemed like all of his life was coming together. And then, yeah, it was a Tuesday and it was my 30th birthday and he hadn't been responding to my messages. Um, and I received a phone call from someone saying that I needed to go to his house, um, that something could happen to him. And then, yeah, obviously I went round there on the Tuesday and he had taken his life. And so then from that point for, for me, it was like, a, I mean, I died like a million times after 
after Jack passed away, you know, like mentally and emotionally, just was completely drained, didn't, didn't want to be here. But it was actually that that really woke me up to a lot of truths because I didn't understand that a human could uh, experience that much pain. And I didn't know that it was possible for a human to go to those places um, through like grief and loss and everything. And also um, that's when I really started looking at like the suicide rates and, you know, the different reasons and walks of life and, you know, all of these unique ways in which people have accumulated to this point to take their life. And losing someone to suicide is a major one of them as well. It's why it's so contagious within the friends and family circles. Um, and yeah, it certainly was like in my family as well. We None of us had suffered with mental health issues or anything like that before, touch wood. But um, after Jack passed away, yeah, I mean, all of us did. We all wanted at different stages to to go and be with him. Um, yeah, so. And where were you in your life when this happened? Like, what were you doing? Um... So I used to own a salon and a cafe. And uh, so I was doing really well in life. My business was doing really well. Um, I was happy, like I thought I kind of knew myself quite well. Um, like, yeah, everything like with my hobbies, I guess I was quite sure of myself. I also hadn't really been through too much in my life that was kind of shocking. Um, and then when Jack passed away, I never went back to any of those things. So I didn't go back to work for a year. And then that business basically got run into the ground. Um, and I sold it a couple of years later. I moved, left my house, <clears throat> I left Australia and moved back home and then slept on my dad's bedroom floor because I didn't want to see from my own bedroom for about a year. Um, and yeah, just almost just became like a child again. And then just uh, didn't, didn't really even leave my hometown. Back, back at home I would stay because I'd be so fearful that if anything were to happen to my dad or any of my family, I didn't want to be too far away. <clears throat> So I had like severe P uh, yeah, PTSD um, and like hallucinations and all sorts of things after that. So everything that I had kind of created in my life before that, it didn't mean anything in the end, you know, all, all of the money and all my stuff that I'd accumulated or acquired or reputation and all of that sort of stuff, I pretty much gave most of it away and uh, I would never look back at that, that part of my life again. Can you talk a little bit about PTSD and the hallucinations like um what happens through the process of pts ptsd and um i don't know if you know like if you could explain a little bit about what's happening in the brain um yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah so it's... i was just gonna say i'm reading the body keeps the score at the moment and it talks a lot about trauma and ptsd um and so i know a tiny bit about it i don't even know if i could try and explain how the brain works but it is really fascinating uh yeah I mean I couldn't tell you too much how the brain works but I but I know that it's obviously um linked to memory and so when your body and the nervous system is not able to produce or release or organize uh you know how we can compartmentalize things properly into like memory and an actual event that's in the present or it's in the past and so when you have PTSD and you can't process the memories um <coughs> and you've had an override on the nervous system, um, any kind of like shocks or um, anything that's a little bit too overwhelming, you know, it could just be because someone just said your name a little bit too loud or 
someone put a cup down on the side too loud or something like that and the body will react like it's in the present moment stuck in trauma time and so it will always be you're uh, involuntary in trauma time constantly and so it's just a matter of having small triggers and things that can just tick it off also with hallucinations um and just being completely fearful of your own shadow and so your 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 body doesn't know anyway like what's right wrong true false or yesterday or today but especially when you can't process um memories or perhaps also sometimes you're over analyzing all of the memories so you're still stuck in this hyper arousal state so your cortisol levels your stress hormones everything is through the roof um and it's a complete hijack of your nervous system so it really is such a difficult place to live in because you can think that you're slightly coherent or perhaps you're having a good day or and it can just be the slightest thing because your nervous system is just so wired once you start offloading a lot of this energy from your nervous system and once you start kind of um recalibrating it and doing a lot of trauma release the ptsd ptsd symptoms start to resolve and you can start to actually process emotions and memories and everything clearly and and you can kind of do that without your physiology changing and yeah having a complete meltdown (laughs) and so you moved back to was it back to the UK to to live with your dad and during that time what was the sort of help that you were given um yeah so it's really strange you don't really think about these things too much until you go through it and so the first thing I can you kind of think of is like I need to go to the doctor and so I did I went to the doctor because obviously I you know I couldn't really like do much so and I was really sick um so I went to the doctor and I said you know I'm suffering with uh all of these symptoms like seizures blackouts fits uh hair loss weight loss um yeah like or, or I, I want to take my life like you know my uh, my whole life has just gone completely like scattered now with my mental and emotional and physical health and she just said oh okay well you know do you want are you going to take your life and I said well no and she goes okay well we can give you antidepressants and I just thought for me personally you know I saw the fate of my brother from taking a lot of medication that were given to him from the doctors and I think unconsciously at that time I made a deal that I would never go down that path and that I kind of lost respect for a lot of doctors actually just the system I think and that proved to me then and there as well like I could walk out of an office five minutes later after going through all of these things and antidepressants were supposed to save my life um so I took them and I took maybe three tablets and then I just got rid of them all after that they don't offer you like um, counselling through the GP, they offer you like non-for-profit organisations, so they just point those out to you like who you can sign up with. Now these charities are like completely overwhelmed, so for the first six weeks you might get like a leaflet or like a booklet, which is um, you know, what to expect when you're grieving through suicide loss and stuff. So that came through the post. At this point everything just seemed like a joke, I just thought is this, this, this can't be right, this is ridiculous. And then I started going to these groups, these charities, um, and the wait list to actually speak to somebody from Cruise, which is a bereavement uh, company here, that was six months. Um, or you get to call the lifeline. So that for me was when I just thought, you know what, sod this. Like if if this if this is the help that we're offered when we go through things like this, if mental health care and antidepressants were so good, 
then why are we faced with the highest number of suicide rates since World War Two? Um, you know, if this medicinal route was the best way. Um, and so after that, I just started studying, really. I got rid of all group grief books and then looked into energy healing, natural healing, emotional healing, quantum healing. Uh, and then I paid for help privately through like spiritual counsellors, spiritual therapists and energy healers. And that was kind of like a catalyst of growth after that, where I always worked with trauma specialists, but that were... Uh, always working under like a, like spiritual principles, I suppose, with energy. And how did you come across people like this? In terms of like, did you ask Google? Did you meet anyone who had been through something similar? Um, so even when I paid for therapy, so I went to um, this lady and because I was hearing my brother so straight away like I as soon as Jack passed I was, in, I was instinctively looking for him in nature and then I had it was crazy because I almost had well I did have a spiritual awakening whilst also grieving the loss of my brother so if you've ever done either and can you imagine putting both of them together is just so confusing and so all of a sudden you know now I'm hearing him I'm seeing him I'm feeling him around and all these sorts of experiences and so then I was with this grief, grief therapist and we're offered like this thing which um, it was never the intention to be set but it's the five stages of grief and the lady, the Kerberos, it was actually meant to be for people that had were passing away with like terminal disease or something. So it didn't go hand in hand with this lady. I was talking about all of my spiritual experiences and it was kind of brushed underneath the carpet because it didn't fit within the five parameters of grief. So I Googled it. So I was like, damn, I think I need like a spiritual counselor. If there's such a thing that like, you can help me with my grief, but also speak to me or, or I can uh, learn about the afterlife and spirit and energy. And so I found this lady in Oxford. And so I'd go to her like three times a week and then, um, I, she was my teacher as well as my therapist so I would do all of my therapy work with her but I had to study as well so I would have like books to read every week with courses to do she would uh, send me off to like Reiki courses crystal courses energy healing courses and and then that's where we would open up discussions ourselves rather than her teaching me about the afterlife I had to experience it myself and like learn about energy and everything as well as receiving treatments from her and so actually like I then after that after with being with her all of my um, study went in hand in hand with my therapy so all of my teachers have also been my therapists and I've all they've all qualified me so they're all accredited therapists as well as uh, teachers which is now what I do too I was going to ask, as in, like, have taught you to now be able to um, teach other people and be yeah, a therapist so like, for others. Yeah, so, you know, like, with my uh, hypnotherapist was then my hypnotherapist teacher. And so I would have all of my hypnotherapy sessions, so I was healing, but then after that... Oh, sneeze. And then I was learning from her. So then I, I did all of my courses and education and everything. Yeah, so it was really good um, in terms of that. Because I think that it's kind of like a double whammy when you're 
you're doing your own self-study, learning about yourself whilst healing, because at the end of the day, any good healer or any good mentor has obviously transmuted a lot of their own stuff and understands it's not... It's, it's all well and good learning something, but unless you've kind of walked the walk or talked the talk, it's going to be really hard for you to know how it's benefiting somebody else, like really, like truly embodied uh, all of those things yourself. Then, um, yeah, so now that's kind of how I view it. I think that's the best way, rather than just receiving from people, but you're kind of giving as well, like you're giving all your own study and your self-learning and everything as well as, as, well as becoming qualified. And before everything happened you weren't into spirituality or had you had you like dabbled in it or is this like completely a whole new thing for you I went on a yoga retreat once to to um Ubud and I flew in and then I was set the table with these people that were like gracing their food before they ate and I just thought no I can't deal with this and so they were like praying to they're frames of their food and like thanking God and stuff and I was like what is going on so then I was like uh, so then I started doing it as well because I felt left out that I wasn't like thanking God for my pancake and my juice and then after that I messaged some friends this was years and years ago I messaged some friends that were living in Changu and then I just I did like two days of yoga so no I was not spiritual at all and then I went and then yeah. I just partied I think it's so interesting how um for so many people, something happens in their life and they turn to spirituality in some way or another. And for, for me, um, when I started yoga, it was massively like this physical practice to get my um, body strong and to feel fit and energized. And now it's so much more about the spiritual practice. Like I can, I don't have to do a physical yoga practice every day, but I really do love doing my meditation every day but I just think there's like some real comfort to know for so many of us that this is such a healing practice do you remember because it sounds like you like really just dive deep in so many amazing different forms of healing do you remember something maybe early on in this journey for you that was like an aha wow this is so powerful um, and if you do, what was it? And can you, yeah, can you describe maybe like for someone who's never done like a spiritual treatment or any kind of healing, can you describe what happens? Because I think for a lot of people, it feels so kind of um, alien, like what actually happens? Yeah, so the first, okay, so the first actual healing practice that I did Reiki was beautiful, but it, Reiki at the time, I was just sort of seeing color and everything. Um, but that didn't, that wasn't like a big yes. The first big yes was when I did a breathwork journey, but it was like a holotropic breathwork journey. So like this conscious connected breathwork, which is, don't, you, um, anyway, so I did that. It was different to a lot of breathworks. And so you really want to be careful of which one you're kind of suggesting because some can set you off into a bit more of a panic and then the other ones can really allow you to really drop deep into the body so it's quite a long breathwork journey um and at first you know I was releasing a lot of trauma from my body I'd never experienced that before and even though it was kind of scary it felt really really good to release all of this energy from my body and all of a sudden you know it wasn't like I was in charge of my body anymore but the trauma was but it felt so cathartic but then as, you know, this kind of started to settle, 
I had this moment where I completely like melted into the floor like I was losing my physical body I could see my brother around like it's the weirdest feeling because it's not like you can see his physical spirit or body but it's just that notion that he's there and what to do and like taking my hand and then I could see his eye like fluttering right in the middle of my eye it was like the most beautiful thing it felt like I got him back and then from that moment it was like I self-combusted from my body into light and just like pure awareness and just pure consciousness and the thing is with that as well because it's there is no time and space and it's still very much alive in my mind it doesn't ever end once you've seen something like that you can't unsee it and once you have felt how beautiful that is to think that you've lost your loved one but yet they're closer to you than ever so for me it felt like I started to piece it all together you know like if this is what I have to do if I'm learning or I'm studying or I'm releasing my trauma and I'm working with my energy and my frequency and then this is the capacity in which I get to feel my brother around like I'll do it all day every day and so that's when I went quite hardcore into all of these experiences knowing that if I cleared my channels as much as I possibly could and I got my energy as high as I possibly could that I would have my relationship back with my brother in the formless but then obviously there's so many other benefits to you doing that kind of work as well. It's just that I wasn't invested in so many of the other benefits. It was just to get back to him. But now when I look at like all of the things that, that have happened in my life since then, it's just incredible. Just by doing that work, you completely change your entire, like your DNA, like you completely change your life. And how long ago was was this where you started to go on this journey of self-healing? Um, it was more or less like probably seven months after Jack passed away and then uh, yeah and, and, t and still now so I still um, I still work with all of it now with myself but yeah seven months after he passed I would say and uh, so but how long is that from the present day moment? oh sorry uh, that's three years that's amazing that you've been doing that for actually what seems like quite a, a short amount of time but you've seen so many amazing changes not only in your um what everything what happened with jack but also in other parts of your life which you weren't necessarily expecting um can you explain a little bit more about the different forms of healing that you started to dive into but then you've also trained in um and maybe uh, could you explain some of the approaches that you use with your clients now? Yeah, so um, then when I, okay, so then when I went off and then I started doing all of my healing, especially you all know what this is like in Bali as well. So you have like your Reiki teacher for this, or you have your hypnotherapist and you have your sound healing place and you have, uh, I don't know, like your breath work facilitator. And so there were, there were all of these different types of healers that I had, but then there were ones that really changed my life and so then they were the ones that I studied so what I decided to do was you know like um for a lot of us we we will travel so we'll be in different countries and have different therapists for all different things but I wanted to create something where I could offer all of them so that um yeah they didn't have to kind of do that so yeah through Reiki, sound healing, uh, emotional freedom technique, uh, breath work, and uh, hypnotherapy, meditation and mindfulness teacher, basically work with just 
all body frequency energy and body work releasing all of the trauma from the body and the spiritual kind of principles values and insights come from doing that work you know it's just kind of like this part and parcel of of working with that hypnotherapy is also really powerful um for actually communicating with your loved one as well so i've had mind-blowing experiences with hypnotherapy where um yeah it's been jack doing all of the talking and if you go quite deep and you're really working with that you know super conscious or your unconscious mind yeah you really have no idea where you're going to go it's wild what can happen with the body it's it's incredible um yeah yeah so with all of them so the way you know um obviously starting like a healing journey with with losing somebody that you love to suicide the pain is so great like with a lot of shame and guilt and blame and um you know you're working with some of the lowest emitting emotions possible for a human and so we really work from that place first um and starting to transcend a lot of those uh, pains and feelings before you start moving up into more of the the lighter, like daily practices. I think that the most important thing is that um, taking that self-empowered approach means that you're really able to live to tell the story to help other people. Um, You know, you're not giving your power away so much to a medication or, you know, a prescription. albeit that they're brilliant as well it's just that you know if you can have something else that's tangible that you can work with alongside but then it just kind of means that you know you have all of these healing tools and modalities and ways in which you're able to help other people recalibrate and like regain safety in their body release their emotions and you know release trauma and everything from them too and I just think that the more people that know how to self-heal the better for the world because of the ripple effect and then hopefully we'll see suicide rates come down um, I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, you are um, clearly really passionate about what you do. Um, and do you feel like, do you feel like you're doing this for Jack? Like, do you feel like this is like your your purpose and like it's like, like he's alongside you? Is it like, yeah, your your purpose and your mission in life now? Yeah. I always thought that anyway and then I did these I had um, some like really crazy meditations where that became very clear like what I should do with my life and and visuals and I even had them illustrated because they were just so wild like the story that this meditation was telling me but um, like for me personally I just think what can you do with your life that of, of great meaning it doesn't mean that you have to work in big groups of people like me you can work in small groups like your community you can you can heal just because you want to be like a fantastic mum or whatever or a great neighbor or a friend or partner but for some reason with me it was bigger and it was uh yeah like louder than that I suppose in a way because I do feel really passionate about uh, how many people are taking their lives and also what support that we're offered I I do find myself get quite quite frustrated with the system as well um I feel like this kind of work should be public it should be free you see there's so many people out out there that are working privately I get quite a lot of um stick for that as well that I charge but but for me I don't really know how I'm supposed to not be private right now without having to I don't know of another way that I can possibly work at the moment until I just obviously build and get bigger but I feel like 
Jack is with me on the other side and I'm not really too sure what I would do with my life now. You know, the idea of going back to my life before, I would just think, it's great, but I'm not really sure what difference I would be making in the world if I did that. Um, and so my dad, bless him, he got quite teary the other day and he said, um, I feel very guilty because ever since Jack's passed, it's all about Jack, like everything's about Jack. Every, from the minute you wake up in the morning until you go to sleep at night, everything that you do is because of Jack. And then I hadn't looked at it like that before. And he was like, you know, what does Becky like doing? Or what does Becky want to do? And I thought, yeah, it's quite, it, it kind of is a little bit true because I feel 90% Becky and Jack and 10% Becky. But then, I don't really know what else I would do. And I think that I'll find a perfect balance in time. But right now I'm kind of, it's still, it's still only nearly four years. Do you know what I mean? And I haven't made nearly the impacts that I would like to make. So I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, we had a little conversation um, while we were messaging when you got some stick for charging for your services. And I... Um, I totally agree. It would be amazing if we could all, as yoga teachers, meditation teachers, which these things really do change and transform people's lives. Yeah. It would be amazing if we could offer it all for free. I would love that. But the truth of the matter is we have to earn a living. And maybe, as you said, if, if things do blow up for you, you'd be able to have something that was um, offered at a you know, huge discount or, a, or or for free. But right now that's not possible. And I think um, what you're doing is absolutely incredible. Um, and you put your heart and soul into it. Like a, a lot of us teachers, um, we really do spend seven days a week doing what we do because we are so passionate about it because it really has changed our lives. And kind of as you said it's just not it doesn't seem to be even like a a thought for people to to self-heal it's like go to the doctor take your 10 minutes if you're in the UK and um be prescribed medicines which is very much what happened with me and knowing that there is another way is just um yeah I think just of so much value value um so something I wanted to ask you about, just on a slightly different segue, you mentioned something that I read was to do with um, you really feeling like you completely lost your identity. Can you talk us through that? Because I think something that I get from so many people, yeah. and this isn't necessarily even to do with suicide, but so many people whether they change their jobs or they decide to separate from a partner um, they go through a breakup um, they really feel this huge impact of of losing their identity and who they once were and it feels incredibly scary for people so I'd love to to hear kind of your thoughts on that um yeah, it is so scary when you lose your identity completely because when you, when, like, go okay, through, I mean, I can only really describe it through the lens of obviously losing Jack to suicide. So um, that was like your whole entire belief system. So how 
safe the world is. Um, you know, you think that these things are never going to come knocking on your door and then they do. Also, uh, you know, you can question your entire existence and your reality at quite a young age and these questions are huge. Um, like the systems that have been being put in place, everything you start to question. So then that's your whole past. And then now you have like your present where you're losing this identity, um, f like friendships, who you are as a person, what you really want to do, like then life after death as well. You know, actually, who am I? How much of me really is physical, is human? And how, why am I having all of these like, uh, you know, crazy experiences through meditations? Why can I hear my brother, you know, what, so you don't die? And so now it's like, can you imagine if you were religious? I wasn't religious or spiritual, so I only had a lot to gain. But a lot of people have so much to lose when they face this sort of stuff as well. Um, and so I always say it's almost like I died twice. And a lot of my clients will say this too. So you die the first time that they do. You know, you lose parts of your soul and you completely lose yourself. And then when you start to heal, it's like you die again the second time because you're no longer like this hybrid version of yourself that... Um, you know, is trying to cope with grief and loss, but you'll also never be the person that you were before, nor would many of you want to be like that either, because um, there's so much growth that obviously happens when you lose your identity in somebody that you love. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of like that second death again, an ego death, and it's but it's almost like the last most powerful rebirth that I'm sure someone will have. Um, yeah, I, an, an identity loss at that at, at any age, but like at thirty, is wild. Yeah, and rem remembering, I think you've just put it really beautifully that that this is a chance for growth, not not feeling um, like you're losing something, but actually you're gaining something in creating this new identity, um, which in some obviously some circumstances is a lot easier than others suicide being a lot um a lot more difficult and a lot more painful than let's say a career change but yeah i think um i can't can't even imagine all the questions that you asked yourself and went through um so yeah your strength and bravery is is hugely hugely inspirational i just feel like there's the I feel like it takes so much guts to talk. I mean, for anyone talking about anything that, that they're passionate about sometimes, and you have these amazing people out there that are so resilient and they just don't stop, you know, and they're really powerful talkers and sharers. And it took me such a long time to have the courage to, to do that. You know, I would speak on camera for a couple of minutes and cry, and then I would try again a week later because I just thought, when it's something that's so precious and so important to you and, and, and you're wanting to talk because you really just want to be able to help other people, like imagine that you hold on to all of these tools and these secrets or these resources of like seriously you wanted to die and then you came back to life ten times more powerful than you ever were before. You found spirit and you found like so many truths and, and the essence of who we are and you know like there's a method to the mayhem like how we can get there. And then you just desperately want to be able to share that with other people because you know as well that everybody is emotionally invested in suicide rates coming down, especially for people that have walked that path. So, you know, there's nothing that you want to see more. The, the pain that you get when, especially now with the times like this, when more and more people are taking their lives, it's just, you feel very powerless. But I still believe 
that for me, I feel like one of the most powerful things to do is that when we start to like to learn about ourselves and motivate ourselves to actually even just learn about healing before we even go through practices of self-healing, because those there's so many people that are so scared to talk, but that those types of survivors are the ones that ultimately can change so many people's lives. And when they do this work, the ripple effect that they have in this world, and I, I, I almost feel like it's like this conscious responsibility for me personally. I feel like, how can I go through this? Now Jack's dead, right? So I mean, it's like, what? How, well, you know, he's just up there. Well, he's not, he's, he's lost his physical body. And so a part of me is like, okay, don't worry, Jack, like, leave it with me. I'm down here. I'll try and make some differences because ultimately we're all going to die anyway. So I might as well do something really powerful in the meantime. Um, and to kind of work alongside him to help people hear that then are able to heal. And it's just, uh, I've lost my train of thought there, but you kind of get what I'm saying. When we heal, we give so many others permission to heal too. Yeah, totally. You touched on it just then, but um, around the pandemic and um, suicide rates um, going up, do you have clients who have more recently lost loved ones due to the pandemic? And um, yeah, like any thoughts around this specific time? Yeah, I do. I have a few, um, which is really sad, actually, namely their children. Um, and so being in lockdown, not being able to go to school or to go to uni, um, and actually because they weren't showing signs of suicidal ideation or depression because the lockdown was pretty bleak anyway right so you're going to be sleeping more you might be locked in your room more um you can't go anywhere so these are usually the signs that people will show for a parent to look out for um you know if they're in their normal day life but it's not normal day life and so there's people that feel incredibly guilty for not noticing that, but then not realizing how they could have seen it differently because of the lockdowns and obviously them being cooped up in the house. Um, you know, some of these kids obviously not wanting to be vaccinated and then being told that they have to be if they want to go back to uni. And then, you know, that's their dreams and ambitions. You can't process things the same as a child. And, you know, their brains aren't even fully developed yet. So it's just yeah there's definitely more people that I work with now that's covid related and it also makes it it makes it confusing because now everybody's opinions and segregation is just so strong that even working with someone in this capacity sometimes it's it, it, it's like at the forefront of people's minds or yes like political even though what we're dealing with is is emotional like devastating i personally haven't experienced that so much, like the political side t too far into working with each other, but I don't blame them for it being there. Do you know what I mean? Like they lost, lost a child. Yeah. Um, which leads me on to me mentioning, um, obviously I've told you that I lost a friend recently um, who had long COVID um, and I um, I obviously haven't been around in the UK, so I don't know um, enough. I hadn't seen him for quite a while. We hadn't been in contact for a little bit. In fact, I was supposed to speak to him that week and um, sent me a message saying, miss you a couple of weeks before. 
Um, but something I would love for you to share because it was something that I felt very lost in the moment of finding out um, when I was actually in the Gillies, um, on the Gilly Islands, and I was having dinner and answered the phone. I really did not know because in my head I was like, I need to use the tools that I have that I know calms me down, like literally will calm my nervous central nervous system down right now because I am unable to breathe properly, um, I'm struggling to walk, um, I don't know what I should do in that immediate aftermath, I felt really um, lost. And something that did help a few days later was speaking to a mutual friend that really, really helped. But yeah, just some practical tips of of that kind of, yeah, the, the immediate aftermath or the kind of short aftermath of think, hearing yeah, about something like that. <clears throat> I think then it's just real survival. You're in such a state of shock. It really is just uh, like water, food, fresh air and just the bare necessities because, I mean, my experience was just like nothingness. You know, there's, there, there is, it's just sincere pain that I think like the short, the sh you know, a bit after that, anything that can get your, your, your energy just a little bit higher, I think for us, um, it was just going for short runs, short jogs, just fresh air, just being in the sun because the rest of the time is just so, so, so bleak. But those five or 10 minutes or even, you know, sometimes I would literally run maybe just a couple of hundred meters and that was it, I'd be exhausted again. But that was because it wasn't having enough food or water and I was so sick after eating. But then, then just having those little bits of wins and those highs had that your, enough energy to kind of ride you out for the rest of the day or at least a few hours after that um and then the real practical side I suppose it depends you know if someone's really panicky um and their breathing's all dysregulated um then I would definitely just do some box breathing every single time if you breathe in for five through the nose hold for five and then release for five at least then you're always going to just bring yourself back into the present um but I think I mean if I just look back at, at ourselves I don't think anything other than sleep food and just having lots just having people around you constantly because you can't even think for yourself I think even when people start to work with me even five months after their loss you know I really have to check in and make sure that's not too soon because even five months is so soon to think about you know really working with your trauma and getting help everyone's really different but you know I always had I always kind of thought that I would start working with people maybe a year after they've lost someone that that far after because the state and like working with your body in that way so soon afterwards can um some people though they you know they've got they, they want to get their lives back they've got kids and they really want to show up be a good parent or perhaps they're you know a lot of people are you know quick tempered and things like that and just super hyper aroused and so they really 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 want to start healing just so that they can be very present with their children they're typically the people that I work with even after five months which yeah super soon Becky you're amazing just before we um, say goodbye, what have you got coming up um, in the near future that um, you're kind of excited to put out to the world? 
Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yes, so I am doing lots of talks in the UK, um, which will be good for like mental health charities. But so um, my, I'm doing running a campaign, starting a campaign um, for suicide ideations, people that have overcome ideations, attempts, and for people that have lost others to suicide. So um, we can bring ambassadors in from all over the world and all types of natural healing, like nutrition, food, yoga, movement, you know, breathwork, hypnotherapy. So it's not just all the healing that I do, but that a whole world of, people that are self-healers and everything they do to um, give some free resources away for free as well as you know work like privately or however they run their work um, so that anyone with suffering like all mental health encomp encompassing has an entire view or platform of all the different things that they can do um, so many d different options that I'm really excited for and then I also want to turn my healing into a charity so that I can work for free with people. That's the, that's a big goal. Well, I'm super excited to watch and I can't wait to have you back in Bali, hopefully um, in the not Yay. too distant future. <laughs> Thanks, Soph. Thanks, Becky. We have linked all of Becky's incredible offerings below. So if any of you want to get in touch with her, um, have a little look at our podcast show notes. I also wanted to mention that we have two exciting offerings for you right now. We have a beginner's yoga course that is a four week program for any of you looking to start yoga. If any of your family or loved ones need to be pointed in the right direction, please check out my website. This course is usually £280. We have reduced this to £80, especially for you, you wonderful listeners. So use the code FC80 at checkout. The other thing we have is the seven days of yoga. Monday to Sunday, 10 minutes a day, we have flows that are higher energy, flows that allow you to have a little bit less energy, only three pounds a day. And as always, I have heaps of things that you can access for free. So head to my website, www.sophiedeer.com. I just want to take this opportunity to let you know about my Move and Inspire membership. My online membership is for those ready to commit to moving and meditating regularly. It's not just about exercise, it's about a way of life and it's about empowering your mindset with accessible tools for you to feel like you can embrace everything the world has to offer you. Every month we give you at least four new yoga flows. We also give you access to our archive of over a hundred videos suitable for every level. This includes vinyasa yoga, yin yoga, yoga and live music, hit, strength training and more. We give you two new meditations a month to help you inspire a sense of calm and focus. We also have an archive of over 50 meditations exploring topics such as letting go, gratitude, acceptance, learning to surrender, imposter syndrome, compassion and kindness. 
Our community provides a private space for members to share their stories, recommend podcasts, books, and inspiring quotes. If a membership isn't quite right for you, then head to my website, sophiedear.com, for courses such as the 14-day challenge, yoga for beginners, and self-growth workshops. There's all sorts of free stuff up for grabs too, so just check out the link on the homepage. We would love to have you as part of the tribe, so check out the links in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspirational tips, please head to www.sophiedeer.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter. 